Welcome to I Don't Get It, the pop culture get off my lawn cast. We've all been waiting for it. Featuring the open minded musings of two mid 40s curmudgeons staring at the prospect of entertainment irrelevance. This is the best day of your week, my friends, because you get to listen to me. <laughs> Bill Scurry, the founder and proprietor of American Caesar Enterprises, which I'm not even sure what that is anymore. And I'm joined, as always, by my co-host. Uh, I am Noah Tarno, uh, founder and senior quiz master of The Big Quiz Thing, the trivia game show Spectacular. And here we are again, Noah, after a week. We've been taking, we've had to take a lot of weeks yeah, off took- here and there, you know? Last weekend, you were in New York. I was in Minneapolis. Yep. We made stuff happen. We did. We, but we were unable to record. That's true. Yeah, yeah I, was, I, was, I went back to New York after I was there for the holidays. I had a nice wedding with my, my friend Marcus Penn. I saw a lot of friends, some listeners of the <laughs> Sorry, show. it made it sound like you married. I had a nice wedding with him. You and Marcus Penn got married. We did. I mean, Congratulations. Th- you know, Thanks was, for inviting me. It was me, a tasteful ceremony, though. That's the most important yes. thing. But yeah, while I was on the East Coast, uh, I was going to say, I did a little shopping, Noah, because I was at a crop tops <laughs> and... Uh, you know plaid skirts (laughs) so i found this brand i thought we should talk about it can you can you tell me a little bit about our topic this week right it was actually my idea but that's (laughs) uh so as if you've ever listened to this before you know the theme of the show is you know we're we're becoming bitter old men but we like to look at something that's hot and new relatively new among the younger set and try to make sense of it so today we're venturing into fashion as we've done a few times before. Uh, the most recent topic we looked at, which was fashion adjacent, was the the Visco Girls, right? Right, right. right. And then way back, one of our first episodes, we did Supreme, Supreme Clothing. And any other, what other fashion brands have we done in the past? Athleisure. Fashion related? Athleisure we did, right. Yeah. So uh, this week we're looking at Brandy Melville, which is a clothing brand. Uh, actually, not that new. And I was alerted to Brandy Melville by a couple of people. I know it's a big thing with teen girls. It uh, was founded in Italy way back in 1970, but it's definitely been a hot thing among teen girls in the USA uh, for the past five years or so. Uh, so it was founded in Italy in 1970. Brandy Melville, the name was based on children's book characters. There is no Brandy proper. There is no Ms. Melville. They didn't open their first retail store in the United States till 2009, where they opened in LA, uh, I believe near the UCLA campus. And it became a bit of an overnight sensation. They had 95 stores throughout the USA by 2015. It is a privately held company, but reports are that they brought in $300 million in 2018. Jesus, man. And there's yeah, their style is very, I mean, I don't know jack shit about fashion. Uh, you know slightly more, but I think when it comes to female clothing, you know still jack shit about fashion. Uh, but their style, the Observer website described it, I like this, as, quote, casual European couture meets Coachella wear meets socially acceptable pajamas. Uh, we both visited Brandy Melville stores, and, and I guess we didn't talk about this, but my impression was this stuff is very basic, you know, similar to, like, American Apparel or even The Gap. Uh, a lot of muted colors. You walk into the store, it looks like an Instagram feed, which is appropriate because um, one of the hooks of Brandy Melville is they spend next to nothing on traditional advertising. Instead, their biggest selling point is their Instagram feed, 3.9 million followers, uh, and pictures of average, you know, some models, but mainly average-looking girls, not a lot of faces, dressed very casually. And they actually do a lot of their product research. They have a council of... Um, teen girls who advise the people on what to stock more of, what to stock less of, what to design more of, what to design less of. T-shirts, crop tops, sweatshirts, 
leggings, jeans. And But the thing that perhaps has inspired the most controversy or comment about Brandy Melville is that they are, quote, one size fits all. So you go into a Brandy Melville store, and with some exceptions, namely jeans and pants, the clothing is available in only one size. Some young girls seem to love that because they believe it makes shopping easier. Hey, one size, it fits me great if it doesn't forget it. The problem is the one size is like zero. So if you are not skinny, which many teen girls are, but many aren't, if you are not skinny, slight, maybe taller than average, you know, veering on model looking, you cannot wear this clothing. But nonetheless, it's become very popular. A HuffPost article quoted a, quote, teen fashion enthusiast as saying, what girl from the age of 12 on doesn't include Brandy in her wardrobe? And yes, it even has popularity among adults. When I was there, all the people shopping were adults. Maybe they were shopping for their their daughters. But And it's cheap, by the way. This clothing is cheap. Although, I don't think they use Asian sweatshops. I think this stuff is sewn in Italy. Hmm. Am I right? Uh, that's that's a good question. It would make sense knowing that the makers were all Italian. So, sure. Yeah, yeah. So Italian sweatshops, great. The Italians. <laughs> great. Uh, there have been other criticisms. The founders seem to have some obsession with Ayn Rand. There's still John Galt is the label of a line of um, jeans or pants I saw there. Uh, they used to sell <laughs> copies of Atlas Shrugged. There have been a lot of reports of employees there being very unhappy that people are fired because of their appearance. They gained weight or they're not pretty enough or even accusations that, like, you can't get a job there if you're black, which – good move here we go the two least qualified people on earth to talk about brandy melville you and i were texting each other about vis- visiting the stories and making very off-color jokes about two middle-aged men walking solo into a brandy melville yeah. and what that resulted in uh let's try to avoid that here Bill. <laughs> so did you so you went to the brandy melville in new york or did you go to one in amsterdam no i went to the one there's two in in, in the netherlands there's one in utrecht and there's one in, in amsterdam here actually I was, okay. I was looking at their website I was, I was curious what was the spread in europe knowing that okay you know it was across there was it's all over the damn place in the united states now maybe it's one of these things that once you'd said it of course i'd heard it but i never understood it it did not distinguish itself from any other retail chain in the world i didn't know why i would have ever paid attention to it until this is what causes me to take the lid off and look at the underside so yeah. in, in europe we're, we're learning something on this podcast. we are this i'm bettering myself we're this enriching is, ourselves this is an education so brandy melville apparently has two shops in the netherlands and you know there's a bunch of shops in london here's the weird thing for some reason i stumbled on this on their website there's something like 40 shops in Switzerland, of all places. Really? Very unusual. Like, what the, Switzerland is not a large country. Granted, I've not been there. You have. But but still, on the map, it is not a very large nation. And yet, the, the, the coverage that Brandy Melville has in this, this alpine country is somehow grander than a lot of other land masses filled with people. So go, go figure. Is it, is it possible that Switzerland, because, you know, it's whole neutrality thing, that they are somehow, you know, they have less regulation than a lot of other countries. So maybe... Maybe, you know, the founders like see it as an objectivist kind of paradise. Oh, I, I didn't I think about that. I'm, I'm, get, right. I'm getting ahead of myself. Who knows? Man, I'll tell you, my opinion of the Swiss, God bless them, but some of the most boring people you'll ever meet in your yeah, life. That's, that's, mid, uh, that's some, mid, mid, you know, Western Europe some, in yeah, some places. Yeah. You know. Oh, my God. Think about it. How many famous Swiss people we can think of? Roger Federer and uh, William Tell. That's it. Done. <laughs> They're not very ambitious. Because we covered a few fashion things before, I am seeing a sameness. If we are, I should say, we're covering something fashion related it's probably uh in one or two precincts it is going to be something like supreme and you know one thing we never covered on the show was like the sneaker hype beast 
thing. Like we could easily do that at any time. The the culture of people who just like live on uh, Jordan releases from Nike. You know that's that that is a gigantic booming business of people who will buy whatever you put out in the world and they will line up around the block. And it's a little bit of what Supreme is too. And you, know, you think about the Visco Girl, which you know just the Visco Girl was this um, lifestyle indicator of a bunch of different aspects. It was a shirt from one place and sandals from another place and a backpack. But you had to have those pieces to kind of get in the club. And that was the Visco Is it already gone? I mean, Visco Girls was like, that episode was in like December. Yeah. Is the Visco Girl already gone? I mean, it's probably cooled off. You know, I'm sure some people are still pushing it. They're still forcing it. But I mean, Athleisure, you know, mentioned we did Athleisure. And Athleisure is, as much as it is a thing that men buy, I think it was a whole uh, market designed to get women to buy things. It was a feminine in the idea of, of the leggings the yoga wear the lululemon so this is back to that again where this is a clothing line that is only for women it's only for girls even on top of that brandy melville has one slight small demographic the kind of uh, middle class teenager who is looking for an affordable garment in, in a way you know you you have a commerce cult uh, people coming in, it's not that they're, I'm, I'm sure that they're just, they're shopping for this while they're also going to Aeropostale. And I'm sure people are still trickling into Abercrombie and Fitch. And, you know, I remember when that mid-2000s, when Abercrombie and Fitch was in the same exact catbird seat that Brandy Melville is in now, where they had a workforce of incredibly beautiful people who were short-lived on staff because they, you know, churned through people really quickly. It was overwhelmingly white. Uh, there were definitely constraints on weight. Even people, there was a magazine article in the mid-2000s about the corporate culture at Abercrombie and & Fitch. And from the right. CEO on down, it was so Soviet. It was like working for um, the Politburo in terms of like people had to make sure they towed the line. And you had, <laughs> you had to wear, you had to spend your money and you had to buy yeah. A&F clothes and wear them in the office. You, and the, the Gap does that. Oh, yeah. When I knew someone who worked at The Gap, she said... All right, I gotta wear only Gap stuff, and it's and it can and can't be more than like a year and a half old. Yeah, and she's like, and it's out of my pocket. Like I get an employee discount, but it's out of yeah, my pocket. Yeah. Com- and trust me, I don't think the Gap was paying six figures. Company store, man. Employees. Company store. What this comes down to is a thing about you know the image that they're putting out. All right, let's put it this way: these Italians built this brand that was based on what they thought that Santa Monica, Westwood, Malibu, California affect. So they they took that idea back to Italy, wherever the hell they were, maybe probably North Italy. The guy's name was Silvio Mersenne, and his son's name is Stefan, who's taking over the business. And so they were influenced by California. They were selling California back to us, America. And they started started with the shop in Westwood in 09. And it seemed like, let's, this is a pilot. Let's see if if California people will buy the cynically made product I'm sure it is, like you say, it's comfortable, the colors are muted, the shapes are very uncomplex. It is a strictly middle-class American teenager clothing, and nothing is breaking the, you know, not breaking your brain with complexity. And it did, it took off, but it's like someone from the outside comes in and cracks your culture a little bit. They crack the code to it. These guys are rich beyond belief on selling California. There's never been a shortage of exporting California out to the rest of America. Whatever that ideal is, the sun-drenched, carefree, diaphanous clothes. You know, there's never a cold day. Everyone's just wearing flip-flops and or doc, you know, uh, sandals all the time. That's what everyone wants to believe they're living in. People in Minnesota, people in fucking Green Bay, Wisconsin, people in fucking Baton Rouge are buying these clothes, snapping on to this idea of what someone else came up with California. California would mean to everyone else around it. It's hard to judge just how big the cult of this is. Although if what we're reading online, it would indicate that it's not quite supreme levels of, of mania, but it is a dedicated ride or die 
for Brandy Melville. These girls are really hardcore about it, and they will proselytize, and they will get all over social media and press the idea that it's a clubhouse. And, you know, to get in that clubhouse, you want to have the right uniform. And, again, if you don't fit that uniform, that's the dark side of it, is that the uniform is being made at size zero. So it can't fit over your ass. It can't fit over your chest. The first comment everyone makes, it does not fit over my chest. You know, you need a boyish figure. You need narrow hips, a flat chest, long, lanky limbs, and then the clothes will work for you. That's not that many people, you know, especially outside of California, outside, you know, wherever actual people and their real human bodies and their real American diets reside. This isn't That's what I don't understand about this. I mean, we'll get into that, but... Yeah, sure. I feel like this whole phenomenon runs up against the wall. They're not getting punished for any of the things that we're throwing down as gigantic demerits. No, how do you explain? You know, you talk about controls and curves and self-defeating, and it's like, and yet they're they're getting a thumbs up from the universe saying, yeah, keep the walls up, keep the curves up, keep doing these things that any other business would find are self-defeating. So how the fuck does that work? Despite running a small business, I don't understand the first thing about business. I mean, this gets us into our next question. Why is this popular, right? I'm kind of befuddled here. So it's real basic stuff. It's easy. Putting aside the size issue, it's easy. It's basic. It's cheap. It feels nice. All right, there's all that. You know, it doesn't, it goes with everything. I'm sure there's some element of that. Like I say, it runs into a fucking wall. If it doesn't fit you, it doesn't fit you. And I don't know if you've looked around this country these days, putting aside that human beings are a, a zillion different shapes, always have to. Yeah. We got a lot of big people in this country <laughs> for a lot of reasons. Yes. I mean, one thing I feel like I've learned about business in the, in the recent years I've been running a business is that you need to give people as few excuses as possible to say no. Yeah. Okay. Good, good call. And, yes. and I mean, this get to something else I've learned that celebrity is the most powerful force in marketing. It's more powerful than everything else combined. And I feel like, you know, Brandy Melville doesn't have a, a famous face attached to it, but it's it's the hype thing. It's people like it, some more people like it, some more people like it, some more people like it, right? That the fact that the brand is so valuable means the fact that it doesn't fit people doesn't matter. They, they, they obliterate what I see as a wall standing in their way. Like, yeah. what about the fact that they are limiting their market? Teen girls, big enough market on its own, but you've lopped off like two-thirds of them who can't wear this clothing. Yeah. So I don't, I don't understand it. I don't understand how they can limit their market so severely, putting aside that it might even insult certain people. The, the practical fact that they can't wear this clothing, and it's still like – you know, strides the earth like a colossus. Hey guys, what's up? It's Kendra. Um, welcome back to my channel. Today I am doing a huge Brandy Melville try-on haul for you guys. I got pants. I got lots of shirts. That's about it. So Bill, I jumped the gun there. You know, our next question usually is why is this popular? And I answered uh, sort of I get it because it's basic and easy, but then I expressed, you know, I still don't understand. So do you have any answers? Why is this popular? My only clue, me grasping at straws over here in uh, Northern Europe, wondering why was anybody shopping at that store in, of all places, again, Amsterdam, where, uh, you know, that, that kind of thing should not work here either, because that's not climatically and culturally, it's very alien. And yet there's a shop that was doing quite well. Look, I love California. And I always think about how California is sold as a consumer good. I mean, this show is so upon this many times where California has inf- the idea of California has infused some commerce there's a product that is using the idea that hey they use this in 
California. You want to be in California, don't you? You want to be just like that. So if you wear this crop top, if you wear these peg jeans, if you wear this baby t-shirt, it's almost like you get a little bit of California to yourself. Even if you've never been there, even if you really have no idea what the fuck California is like. That's been since time immemorial. Well, I mean, that's not since time. That literally goes back to the gold rush. California. Some writers say California is America, but more so. Yeah. I mean, dude, first 40 years of my life. Starting at the age of 10 until I was 40, I dreamed of moving to California, and I finally did. Look at the Beach Boys, you know, all of that. It's the dream. Yeah. It's the American dream, man. They're transplanting this idea and putting little cuttings and sending around the country, and you're supposed to believe, like, you've, you've inhabited a little bit of California. Of course, I think that the exclusion that you were just railing about winds up—I mean, this you're going to agree with this—the the exclusion winds up being a bona fide if it is something that— the, the uh, heavier girl can't get into, it's even more valuable because it means that I'm not heavy. It means I am, I reflect that level of beauty. I make the cut of what a Brandy Melville girl is and that other heavier set girl who can't wear this, who just has to shop from Uniqlo or has to shop over at, uh, God forbid, a place like, you know, Lerner or New York and Company, or <laughs> whatever the fuck they sell. I've literally never heard of those brands. They're, they were mall They were mall brands in the 80s and 90s, Old Navy, whatever. It's like there's this idea that if you can get into this club, that is a price above rubies. You're talking about the value then winds up being who doesn't get in here. The value yep. of it is that this is hot it, and I'm going to be... It, popularity breeds popularity. Yeah. It's popular because it's, but we talked about this time and time again. And so, yep. something is unexceptional, as like you said, the completely basic clothing, the, the perfectly acceptable garments that they sell at Brandy Melville are popular because they're popular, not because they're great, not because they're some, you know, exception, not because they look like, you know, if you buy something from one of those great Italian houses like Gucci or Louis Vuitton or something like that, what's well, French, but, you know, the idea you're supposed to be getting some dynamite thing that is one of a kind that no one else has that you paid $10,000 for, and you're paying for splash and exclusivity and uniqueness and yeah. exceptional, like, the, the you know, the material is supposed to be crazy when you buy a, a suit tailored from Savile Row in England. It's like you need one of those for your entire lifetime. You're going to spend $12,000 yeah. to get it, but that's the only one of those you need. This is not that. Granted, you're not paying those prices, but you, the popularity is like off kilter with the actual quality of the garment, but that's anything mass produced these days. You know, the, the quality of the garment is, you know, off the, that's not even part of the argument. It's not, it's not even the discussion. The discussion yeah. is what's the fever for the garment? The, oh. the idea of your um, Instagram army is also pretty insane here too and that the company doesn't have to do any of its own advertising because they allow a citizen foot brigade to go out there and make tell their own story and it's like if you look at it all combined all of those those uh brandy noble girls do look the same you will get the impression that these are all thin-limbed small-busted uh girls that are all teenagers and they're telling the same story with this beatific look on their face like i'm in the club look how great it is to be in the club don't you want a part of this inclusion too part of me is like this shit's been going on forever but on the other hand I feel like it's worse now because of social media. Everyone's got to be their own marketer. And also social media has put pressure on marketers. You know, every time I get marketing advice, people are like, you need fans to evangelize for your product. And I've always had a lot of trouble with that. But yeah, Brandy Melville, you know, they they spend nary a dime on advertising. They basically get their fans to advertise for them. Now let's get into the hiring process. If you walk into Brandy Melville and you're skinny and conventionally pretty, you're basically hired on the spot. 
Brandy Melville only hires skinny and conventionally pretty girls who are white, or if they aren't white, they have white features. Now is an appropriate time for me to tell you that I'm not dissing the way any Brandy Melville worker looks. That would disregard the entire point of this video. I am trying to point out a very obvious and toxic pattern in the message Brandy Melville sends to teens through the image they choose to promote. Noah, would you have liked Brandy? Would you like to? Would you like wearing Brandy Melville when you were a kid, Noah? I actually thought about this question quite a bit as I was walking through the Brandy Melville store, and provided we adjust that question to if I were a kid now and I were a girl, or I were someone who liked to wear girls' clothing. Absolutely. I would have loved this. This would have been my fucking brand. And you would have fit in it, too. Yeah, and I would have fit in it, right. I mean, you know, again, we're in the alternate universe where I'm a kid now and or I'm female of some form. Yeah. But I've always been skinny. I was even skinnier as a kid. For me, I've always liked clothes to be basic while having one eye on what is popular and what's going to get me in the in club. Like I remember going through a phase when I was – nine or ten like wanting vans or wanting a benetton shirt you know something i thought would make me cooler right mm -hmm. so i can imagine brandy melville being perfect for me because it's comfortable it doesn't look flashy it stamps my hand and i'm in the cool club i would have gotten all my clothes here and i'm sure my parents would have been cool with it i mean it was cheap so I don't see what they would have complained about. Yeah, they would have had no idea. You know? It wouldn't have meant anything to them. It just would have been fucking glyphs and sigils and signs and whatever. Hier hieroglyphs. And, of course, I would have benefited from having the skinny body and mm -hmm. any – I mean, we haven't talked about it much, but any political issue about objectivism or – you know, firing women because they're black or anything, that I that probably would have gone over my head. And even if it had gone over my head, I, I would have been enough of a sellout that it wouldn't have stopped me. I mean, what about you? I mean, you were a heavy kid, though. You posted a photo on Facebook last week of you. You weren't even a little kid. You were like 22 or something. Yeah, 20, and 23. And you were yeah. – I did not realize – I mean, I, I knew you had lost a fair amount of weight, but you were a big dude. Right? Yeah, yeah. I was I was up in the 260s, uh, 270s for sure. So this, yeah. this clothing would not have fit – you know, the the female, if everything were the same except you were 15 female, this clothing would not have fit you. Am I correct? No, that's true. I mean, I it's really it's really hard to imagine if there's a gender swap. As an adult eyes looking at things, and I actually had it in my head like, well, let's pretend I was shopping for a daughter I had, you know, and, and I was kind of curious. Like, what would it be like if I was in here looking for a, a female <laughs> female person who I was the, the custodian of in some respect? And it's like, okay. How, I, how absurd. How absurd. It is totally absurd. But I, at the same time, I was thinking like what you were thinking. It's like, well, this is all muted. You know, it, it is. It all looks fairly safe. It's all, you know, competently made, and it looks like it is fairly anodyne, and it is not daring, and there aren't, you know, uh, uh, callouts on the shirt in terms of like, you know, go fuck yourself or whatever. You, you know, a shirt you can get from Hot Topic. That, nothing. There were a few of those. I don't know about you, but the store I was in had like fake vintage, you know, rock t star T-shirts. Always rolls my eyes when the twelve-year-old girl's wearing a Bowie T-shirt. I mean, maybe she likes Bowie, but you know, whatever. It's possible. I kept getting into this idea, like the age that they're selling this to is certainly the age where we woke up, you know, where we noticed girls and. It was a little easier to look at. It was a little easier to think about this in terms of what kind of attention would it have attracted from, you know, whoever. As kids are starting to become, you know, adolescent, this is part of it. What are girls dressed like? And it's like I remembered when we were 13, 14, 15 years old, people's physiques changed. Uh, how were they designing this rather that boys are looking at girls wearing this or other girls are looking at girls wearing this? How much attention does it give you in terms of viability? And that's interesting because, you know, I'm sure that's the game people are starting to play at this age.
Oh, totally, totally. Yeah. I mean, that's you're finding yourself, and yes. that's why I think brand. You know, maybe this is part of the arrested development trend in our society. Getting back to this that cut article about oh, it's a guilty pleasure of adults wearing Brandy Melville. I mean, part of me is like, why? It's basic clothing. Like, what's the difference? Maybe it's so brand conscious that you adult feels like if I'm wearing Brandy Melville, I'm still trying to figure out who I am and how to appeal to boys or appeal to myself or appeal to other women. I mean, as we know, as we know, as the cliche is, women dress mainly for other women and not for men. Hi there. What's up? I'm Caroline. And a little over a year ago, I went to the store Brandy Melville and filmed myself basically trying on all their clothes. It was, um... Interesting. Definitely made me feel like shit about myself afterwards. Is the popularity of Brandy Melville in any way a sign of our impending or having arrived already? What's the term for that? What's the what's the equivalent of impending, but like it's already impended? Impended? Nascent. Nascent. Uh, I don't well, know. Well, na nascent. Um, in media res apocalypse. In media res apocalypse. Right. I don't. Is, I, is I, Brandy Melville one of the four horsemen? Basically. I don't. You know. I don't. I, this, because this is a commerce cult. I don't think so. Because I remember having the same conversation in my head without there being you or a microphone to, to speak into. Back when I was walking past the window at Abercrombie and seeing just how, how fucking dreadful the clothes were, how ugly I thought they were, um, the, the smell of the perfume that they would pump into that place and, and the doors would be open and so that, <laughs> that uh, frickin' wall of scent would, would hit you and then everyone inside looked like ridiculous. And then they did have, they were actually topless men who were walking around as floor people. And it's topless like topless men. They were cut. The, the they were these salesmen were literally men. topless. Yeah, they, they weren't were wearing shirts. They weren't wearing shirts. The they fuck? Were I don't believe you. Extremely handsome. Yeah. yeah, well, I can believe that, but like they weren't wearing shirts. I think that they were I like they were walk around models, but they were still they were still part of the sales force. I would say that was a 2006, 2007 era weirdness. You know, wondering what the hell is that all about? I've seen this this commerce cult before, and it didn't destroy us then. It's not going to destroy us now. And you know, we talked about Supreme. I thought Supreme was more extreme. It was like an extreme example of people's slavishness dedicated to a logo that you would pay a lot of money for. And, you know, Supreme stuff was extremely marked up considering they were selling you a t-shirt for upwards of, you know, $185. They would never do that at Brandy Melville. But that was like, you know, Supreme to me was people losing their fucking minds. People lining up for Yeezys, the sneakers, those ugly ass sneakers, oh, that's people losing yeah. their fucking minds. But, you know, this shop has been around for a while. It's a slow burn. You have this thing where they're selling California back to people. You know, the easy thing in the world the most you know a, a mouthful of, of palatable mush that doesn't require any teeth chewing and it just goes right over the gums what they're pitching in California is don't worry about it dude you know your brain's been bleached by the sunset and you know you don't you sit in traffic all day uh, you know people don't talk to each other they're in cars and you know, there's there's a little bit of an IQ drop. That's that is the the blush on what Southern California has tried to pitch itself as uh, to a lot of people. It's a superficial market. Let's put it that way. For uh, sure. It's not literally superficial. It's just the idea. Yes. It's been turned. Yeah, that, the, what they sell is superficial. Yeah. but what everyone sells is superficial. Yes. Come on. Anyway, so so I don't think it's I don't think it's a semi apocalypse. But, but what about you? I agree that you know it's part of large marketing trends that aren't the sign of the apocalypse, but. I do think we're hurtling more and more into everyone's got to be a self-marketer. Something is popular because it's popular regardless of what it actually offers people. The only way to sell something is to basically form a religion mm -hmm. and yeah. have your adherents sell it for you.
that's how this stuff happens. I mean, I'm very biased in this. It's just that it becomes popular because it's popular. And then you and then you tie it in with the fact that forget limiting your market, it's insulting. It's body shaming in certain ways, right? And the country's getting fatter, but models are getting thinner. Like what the fuck is up there, right? It just it makes no sense to me. People are going to get more depressed. You know, people get more and more depressed because they're getting fatter, but everything on TV is getting thinner. I do think there's a good argument for that social media will be the ultimate downfall of our society. I think people don't focus enough on how social media is destroying relationships, how social media gave us the orange goblin, how social media is really just the poison pill that is destroying humanity. I mean, I don't mean to be overdramatic, but maybe, maybe when we when someone sifts through the ashes of our civilization, that might be the most logical conclusion someday. And this might be a small but telling example of that. Okay, so how I got hired was in March of 2019, so it was during spring break, I was shopping with my friend. The manager came up to me and asked if she could take a photo of my store style is what they call it. So basically she liked my outfit and she wanted to take a photo of it because I think they send it to like management so that they can like show what customers are interested in. No, I don't know if this really applies to us as uh, occasionally we get into this little bit of a, um, a loophole with our show, but is there any trace of envy uh, about this uh, girl's clothing line made for teenagers? Uh, yeah, totally. I mean, these are all the things I've harped on, is that they are able to market something that is unsellable to a vast sector of their supposed marketplace, yet still have, you know, having the people evangelize for them, which is, which is a, a nut I've never been able to crack, yeah. right? Like, uh, you know, I do well with repeat business, and, and I definitely have people who support me and recommend me. Um, partly because I work my fucking ass off and I have a high-quality product, if I may say so. But what I've never been able to do is get, you know, I, I got no social media game. I've never been able to crack that. Like, how do I get my fans out there telling the world how awesome I am? Even though I know some of them think very highly of me. And there is jealousy because I started a business because I'm an egomaniac. So there is jealousy of, you know, people saying, making you a standard of something they love and telling the world that and happily selling for you. Yeah. I've I've tried that and I've never been able to do that. So yeah, I'm I'm quite jealous of this. Absolutely, man. Okay, I could see that. You know, because I I can't get a toehold on this. I mean, this this to me was it was a novelty. To be honest, going into the shop, I parked my bicycle outside of it. And I went in thinking, okay, this is a little weird, and I took a picture of myself, sent it to you. You park your bicycle. Oh my God, you've become such a European man. It is, believe it. So I sent you the picture of me against the, the, the supply, you know, against the, the yes. rack. And the first thing you said, you texted me back and said, you're a fucking pervert. Yeah, I'm a, you're a pervert, man. You went into that store, you're a fucking pervert. I kept waiting for all the saleswomen when I went in to, like, give me the side eye, but they all ignored me. I just walked around yeah, unmolested. Yeah. yeah, you might as well be Claude Rains, the invisible man. No one cares about you. And I, I had a story in my head, like, oh, I'm shopping for my niece, you know, but, like, I never needed it, right? No, you don't need it. So I, I don't have this isn't kind of any kind of envy. I mean, I could understand. Believe me, it's not. It doesn't take too much to get me back into the uh, teenage mode of not having the right piece of clothing as it was back in the day. I think even with athleisure, I was able to not envy so much, but with athleisure, which is mostly pitched towards women, it to me came across as a slackening of standards and the idea that people were just allowed to show up in pajamas everywhere. And that, you know, and, you know, you said, oh, for a guy with as many pocket squares as me, that makes sense that I would say something like that. Right. But that brings us to our very final segment, which is the other half yeah. of this 
uh, chapter yeah. of our podcast history. We talk about something called uh, the Fallonian scale, my friends. Right. Uh, yeah. Which is based on a zero base of Jimmy Fallon, who we've all, you know, everyone agrees uh, from from Hill to Dale, everyone, everyone, everyone. from from a fishing <laughs> which, village, which is why he's such, which is why he has his own Ben and Jerry's flavor because everyone agrees from the smallest village in the Vietnam to uh, the the <laughs> highest high rise in Toronto, Canada. Everyone, all of us agree at the same time that Jimmy Fallon is simply the worst. He is just the the worst. We can't stand him. So if he's at the bottom of all the topics we've talked about, and we you know we, we it radiates in a number of different x, y, and z axes out from. From that one point yes. we yeah, like to come up yeah. with a spectrum a scale of, of things that we and where does this lay noah in the scale of the great things to the sludgy things we've ever talked about where does this lay on that felonian scale it's good you said the x y and z axis because i actually was thinking about this on kind of a sort of three-dimensional plane so naturally i compare this to the other fashion topics we talked about so supreme athleisure and um sort of visco girls so visco girls are sort of off to the side they're an offshoot they're a parody of these things they're a funhouse mirror through the looking glass kind of version of fashion i feel like this is well above supreme because it lacks a lot of the pretension of supreme yeah. and i don't see people online for brandy melville like like um prostrating themselves to Brandy Melville the way they seem to do for Supreme. So this is well above Supreme. So this is, it's distance X between Jimmy Fallon and Supreme. It's distance 2X between <laughs> Jimmy Fallon and this guy Cartesian uh, Brandy really Melville. Quickly. Now, if we're de facto in athleisure, I feel like there's some other fashion thing we're forgetting about, which I don't quite remember exactly what we said about athleisure. I think we said the phoniness of like, yeah, I'm athletic. I'm going to the gym. I'm not. Bullshit. Yeah, I go to the gym. I sit on my fucking ass eating popcorn, (laughs) you know, watching Mindhunter or whatever. Um, I I love Mindhunter. That show's really good. Sorry, man. It's just better than athleisure. But then there's, you know, I'm glad we're doing Cartesian here because there's there's the thing of body shaming, which puts it on a... Which brings it down. Yeah. You know, this is like equal to athleisure, but again, on another plane. Athleisure is on a negative plane of fooling people, of self-delusion and laziness. Brandy Melville's on a negative plane of body shaming, insulting, and all that. So, which might be worse, but I don't really know. I have to take a... a, a graduate philosophy course before i can determine yeah that. i think you know you've really so, made it you've made it uh, yeah you made it difficult i shouldn't say you made right it difficult, so so you, you give it the appropriate amount of thought that it takes i will give you my final assessment once i finish getting my philosophy phd okay Is good that that's okay? yeah you do All your right, dissertation good. so yeah. i'm i am going to um like mary shelley i'm going to have a monster stitched together with large gauge uh, twine out of a couple of different organisms all dead tissue reanimated so I'm going to fuse the very athleisure that you just mentioned, Noah, because I think that is very important. It is a I, I would judge as much as it's still popular. I would judge athleisure as a transient sort of lazy consumer fad. Okay, uh, based on comfort. I don't know, man. It's it's been a fad for a long time. You know, it was athleisure was designed on the idea of throw out hard belts and loops and buttons and neckties and things like that. Let's just get to stretchy fabrics and waistbands instead of buttons and hasps. And, you know, we're just going to do drawstrings. This is based on comfort. Again, part of that California leisurely yoga thing that's coming at you. So that's half of it because you are selling this thing with a cultural component to it. 
I think of the acai bowl, which to me was complete bullshit, <laughs> tasted so poor. And I had two of them just to check it out that time. But you know what that was? And I've, I've talked about this later with people who were all Brazilian jiu-jitsu fans. They mentioned that it was a way of getting a little bit of like Sao Paulo or Rio. The idea that, that that's where those berries came from Brazil. And so the hardcore guys, the people who would eat these, these acai berries in a number of different forms. Oh, I could have a piece of that too. I can imagine this is what it's like being in Sao Paulo coming out of the BJJ dojo. After I get done, you know, grappling, grounding and pounding with somebody, I'm going to eat this superfood and eat this acai bowl. And except I'm going to wear it. Pounding with someone. Sorry, I, I know what that means, but I love it. Yeah, difference. I know. But that's, it's like what they're doing is they're selling that idea. This is soft, stretchy fabrics. Uh, baby t-shirts, crop tops, jeans, but it's also the idea that it's California. You're buying a piece of real estate. You're buying a piece of culture. This is off topic, but we didn't live through this, Noah, but there was that moment in America post-war where they were selling that Polynesian Hawaiian thing back. Like you'd, you'd start to see like, uh, what was it? Pineapple chicken shows up in Betty Crocker, 50s to early 60s, where Polynesian like tiki bars and luau's. Yeah, like yeah. that's fascinating to me. Like we, we don't have that anymore. It was, it, now, now it's but then it was like the idea that, oh, Hawaii is a state. Hawaii was Pearl Harbor. Like, you should want to visit Hawaii. And Americans were just beginning their jet travel around. And it's like, what a fun thing that must have been. Is like if, you know, yeah. your mom in Chicago was making fucking pineapple chicken in 1971. You know, it's the, almost the ur the example to me of selling something exotic back over. Like, you can actually carve out a piece of real estate from far across the globe. And, you know, you're in some shitty snowed-in neighborhood in Illinois. Yeah. Well, you know, in our lifetime in the 80s i thought about this when i went to australia there was that brief fad for australia right yeah yeah, yeah. i mean i think i think crocodile dundee kind of was the, the the match that lit the flame but remember it became this fascination yeah sure totally i'm not saying i'm above it that's what i'm saying it's like i'm just as susceptible to <laughs> buying a piece of that exoticism sold to me because it makes me think oh this is a trip that i could take or i have taken i want to remember how good it felt being in kona or something like that i don't know at this point like the average American doesn't see California as that exotic. No, right? no, but it because it's made. I mean, this, look, pants. Fucking a third of Americans spit on California. And a third of them live those, there. Yeah, well, the people who spit on California don't deserve to be called Americans. But no, that's they don't. Story. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, well, no. Uh, oh boy! I, I think that's it. I think there's nothing else yeah, to say. Yeah, that's it. Done. Duh, fucking. Dunzo, I will never man. think about Brandy Melville again. <laughs> Until next week, when we talk about Brandy Melville. So, if you want to find past episodes of our show, look on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. Tweet to us at Noah and Bill Show. Write to us, Noah and Bill. Don't get it at gmail.com and go on Apple Podcasts give us that review give us five four stars however many stars you can give us yeah come on give us fucking reviews man yeah, come on this is, you, give us a review Noah bitches about not being able to, like us you know, like us bitches about not getting the ground team out there selling the thing and it's like we yes. we would ask you to it's like think of your cumulative love for the both of us put that together and write a review based on what that this makes is not an effect begging is not an effective marketing I, you know most I of my great that. achievements in life have been through begging and weeping at the same time but <laughs> exactly it works uh, nothing nothing makes you <laughs> nothing makes you seem more manly than begging and weeping yeah you know it's it's, it's the way i've lived my life so uh, i'm on twitter personally at william scurry uh my video work is on youtube youtube.com slash am caesar and noah tarno is going to tell you all about himself right now not really myself but my business the big quiz thing bigquizthing.com uh america's 
finest premier providers of uh, high-level corporate and private quiz and trivia events from coast to coast. Uh, yeah, having a good 2020 so far. A lot more planned. Uh, we got some. I, we hinted at it last time. It's really happening. We got some big news uh, worth sharing with the world, loud and proud, very soon. But not quite there. Something Bill's involved with. And then, uh, yeah, I got more happening. Uh, got some uh, events open to the public that are coming this spring in San Francisco, at least. So that should be fun. But for now, learn more about our corporate and private events wherever you are. Bigquizzing.com. Uh, we're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I am on Twitter at Noah Tarno for shits and giggles. Uh, and that is it. So until in the very near future, when the official branded swag of I Don't Get It propeller beanies are one size fits all. <laughs> we don't get it. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2020.